Welcome to the Marketing Agility Podcast, where we discuss all things related to the growing field of agile marketing. This podcast is co-produced by Frank Days and the Agile Marketing Alliance so that we can learn, share, and grow together. I'm Melissa Reeve, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Josh Bradshaw, Agile coach at Workiva, and who has a deep background in both Agile and marketing. Josh will be sharing his story with us today and talking about managing change in organizations. We're excited to have you on the show today, Josh. Yeah, no, excited to, to be here. So Josh, you've been doing Agile for a while now. How did you get into this slightly esoteric practice of Agile marketing? A little over a decade ago, worked for a software company in Arizona. At the time, they were called Infusionsoft. Uh, they've since rebranded to Keep. So they're like a sales and marketing automation software for small businesses. Found out while I was there that I really liked project management. Always been an organized individual. And so I just started to naturally see opportunities to be able to do that. And so I, I moved into a demand generation project coordinator role. And that was just traditional project management, no, no Agile, no Scrum, no any of that. And uh, the web development manager, a few months after I had kind of started that role, came to me and said, hey, will you come do project coordination for us? And I was like, sure. And I remember him taking me into a room, talking to me about it. And like, we got done talking. He's like, yeah, eventually I'll really like you to get into like a Scrum Master role. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, what is that? Like, what are you talking about? You know, but I was like, okay, sure. Sounds great. And so joined his team and they used Trello. They were sat with inside the marketing org, which was great. Um, they worked very closely with the marketing project manager that kind of oversaw all of marketing. But the web team used Scrum, predominantly Scrum. So sprints, story pointing, you know, we did planning poker, all the things. And so that was my first exposure into the world, the agile world and specifically into Scrum. And that's where it just, it, it like clicked. I was like, this logically makes sense. Like, why doesn't everybody do this? And, and so I just started taking it everywhere I went. And so before I left Infusionsoft, I had started a pilot Scrum and Agile with inside the entire marketing organization. Um, and then left in my family and I moved up to Utah, but pretty much took it from with me everywhere I went. And so I've used it in different ways and shapes and forms with different teams across, but as always, falling back to marketing and specifically very much so with creative teams. So, yeah. And I, I love that, you know, that you're one of those people like myself too, where we got introduced to this concept uh, kind of a little out of the blue. And then once we practiced it, we're like, Hey, this is, this yeah. works. Yeah. And there's something really interesting about it. So, you know, I know that you're, you've also got an implementation of agile marketing going now. Uh, yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that implementation? Like, what was it like when you started and how how far in your journey are you at? When I joined uh, Workiva, they had started their Agile journey at the beginning of 2020. I think they actually had worked with Agile Sherpas um, for a short period of time and had um, some con consulting had come in and done some guidance. And then they realized that they just needed somebody fully dedicated. And so they worked to, to hire that role, and which was where I, I came in. And so when I started, um, it was a little hodgepodge. You know, they had a lot of elements of Agile, a lot of elements of Scrum, and they were doing it the best way that they had the capacity and know-how. And it was great. It worked for them. And it was time to just continue to evolve and see those opportunities to kind of turn the dials. And so we originally structured around each 
software solution that we offer. And there's multiple, you know, I mean, it's, it's quite a, quite a, a large amount of solutions. And so this, the, what they were dubbing scrub, scrum teams were trying to be organized that way, but it wasn't like a one-to-one. It was pretty much shared resources across uh, all these different solutions, scrum teams that they had established. And so we took bits and pieces of that and then evolved over the last two years. It's shifted in a couple different ways. We first shifted to an approach that was focused on segmentation. Our The businesses we support and that we help, the software that we sell is everything from a private business all the way up to, you know, Fortune 100s, you know, and so the size of the organization and what they need from us varies. And so we tried, we essentially created campaigns around those segmentations. And then we had functional agile teams that were dedicated towards delivering on those outcomes. So an example, you know, we would have a campaign that would come in that was focused on large public companies. And then we have a creative agile team that was predominantly using Scrum. We had a digital, you know, agile team. And then we also had a active demand generation activation team. And so it was more set up around function versus like customer persona or et cetera. And it worked really well to establish some good foundation and to kind of get people into some of that habitual knowledge and, and kind of action. And then in the beginning of this year, we turned the dial on that again. And the way we're currently structured is we have um, six customer persona, what we call pods. It's kind of like the, the Spotify model. So squads made up of all like all the cross-functional teams. So designer, copywriter, marketing automation, you know, like you name it, we, product marketing. So we have each of these pods that has a, in most cases, a one-to-one ratio so that they can basically have their backlog and take something from ideation to delivery to, you know, did we achieve the outcome? Okay, no, let's pivot. Like all that can be self, mostly self-contained with inside each pod. So that's the goal. Yeah, the goal is to get towards more of that self-organization and self, you know, maybe that, sorry, autonomy. And so that's really the direction we're headed, just making. Yeah, what I love about what you've shared is, is the journey. Yeah. And I, I know when we're, we're speaking to agile marketers, especially people who are just getting started, there's this notion that, um, you know, we've got to get it right. And maybe they expend a lot of energy figuring out that organizational structure. And what I hear you saying is, yes, you know, it's, it's like anything in agile, do, do the minimum viable amount of organization yeah. Because you'll learn and you'll change and you'll grow as things, uh, as you continue to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a big difference. Like, I, I think when we went with change, it, it's it's a very, I mean, it's, it, it's a hard thing. In all reality, as humans, we just, we don't like change. You know, we get comfortable, we get in our, set in our ways, and that's what becomes normal. So as soon as that gets disrupted, we're kind of like, you know, all the red flags are going off, like, well, hold on a second, like, this is new, this is different. And so it becomes, it becomes hard, you know, and people become resistant, you know, and so it's, it, when we try to look at that, it's not about like, hey, we want to go from zero to 100. It's like, no, hey, let's just go from zero to 10. Yeah, exactly. I'm grateful for the the trajectory that we're on. There's definitely a lot of, still a lot of opportunity, you know, in, in these pods and helping them to get to better states of maturity, but and each one is at a different stage as it currently is. You know, some are adopting it faster and some are, aren't, you know, and that's okay. 
Well, that's a nice segue uh, to my next question for you, uh -huh. which are what what are some of those other current challenges or as you've uh, as you've reframed it, opportunities that you yeah. you still face? Yeah, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing is is for us, there's a couple opportunities we've defined or that we've kind of captured and that we're exploring as it relates to uh, things from a global perspective. And a lot of that has to do with light, nimble frameworks so that we're not over-inducing process. I mean, it's always, you know, funny to me that we, you know, we talk in the agile community and a lot of people are like, oh, hey, yeah, no, agile, it's not very, it's, it's all about mindset, not about process. I'm like, well, there are frameworks that are very process oriented and that's, and it's for a reason, you know, there is good value that comes in process. And, and so it's not complex. It just is the right process. And so for us, it's like, okay, Hey, what is that right first light version? Is it just, is it just a daily standup? You know, is it, is it just getting a backlog created? Like what are those right foundational agile elements that we can then build upon as we continue to scale globally? And then in the same in the same tone is the other side of that is how can we look for those opportunities to reuse marketing efforts versus when we go into a new region, starting net new, you know, because we know that the lift is always significantly greater when we're trying to build something from scratch versus like, hey, we can programmatically apply the same approach across all six regions or all five regions or however many there are. Yeah, I think there's two key points that I heard heard you talk about there. One is what is that magic amount of process? And I think marketers can really struggle with this because when marketers learn about agile and they're learning about things like daily standups or they're learning about things like sprint reviews, mm -hmm. um, it can feel very heavy. Yeah. And I, I personally have heard a lot of pushback around that's a lot of meetings and and of course, there's um, you know there's ways to to frame that you know you should be you should be shedding some meetings if you're adding these other ones. Right. But the other thing that I I share with marketers is this notion of the process is there to serve you, and right. so if the process is not serving you, then take a look at the process because the goal of agile isn't just to to implement process for the sake of process. Right. Right. I, I, I think it's interesting because I, I think oftentimes we find, even on the creative side, when you start with a blank canvas, it's oftentimes harder to be creative. Whereas if you have some element of guidance, say like a creative brief or some examples that are going off of, it is much easier for an individual to get into the right state of mind to produce and provide that creativity. And so I think that's that's a that's a key element there is oftentimes we look at these things as things that are tying us down or things that are taking up too much time or whatever the case might be. When in reality, as soon as you take those things away, people then begin to start to struggle more because they're losing some of that structure that allows them to be able to be the most efficient version of themselves. So absolutely. So we need some sort of structure. And the second thing that I, I liked about what you said was this reuse. And yeah. what what do you feel like keeps people from reusing things that have already been developed? It's, it's a great question because I think that oftentimes we think that they're the new best thing, you know? So it's like, oh yeah, no, like this is a brand new, brand new campaign idea, brand new demand generation approach. You know, no one's ever done this before. Someone has, like, sorry to burst your bubble, but the reality is someone has done that before. And so how do we take that opportunity and learn from it instead of just going with it 
and thinking that it's going to produce a different result, let's try and make sure that we look and see what success was and then repurpose the good things and take, and then remove the bad. If you can start to find, figure that out as you develop and release marketing efforts into the wild and starting to see that, Hey, this ad set performed really well. And this white paper did really great when we highlighted the customer this way, like you can start to pick those things that you see are functioning and pulling in the best results. Those are the things you programmatically do across the board. Now, the other piece that may prevent somebody or think that they need to start from scratch is when you are going into a new region. Well, hey, that that may not apply. And that is there is some truth to that. You know, in Europe and EMEA, we have GDPR, mm-hmm. totally different beast that we have to deal with as aside from North America, where we can our email efforts can be completely different because we don't have GDPR to the extent that, you know, the EMEA does. So things like that that do cause for there needing to be some different approach, but it still doesn't mean that you can't then programmatically systematize that side of things. So you have an EMEA effort, you've got a North America effort, and so you may have two. And in some cases, you may be able to you know tie it all together so that it is one. So I think it just is a matter of looking at it from that perspective. To So just out of curiosity, do you do demos? And if so, how do those look? Um, so yeah, the demos are, we were uh, kind of like scrum ish with our pods. So I say that because it's not like full on traditional scrum. We look at the scrum events, like from the scrum guide, and there are some that we deploy and some that we don't right now. Demo is one that is done by some pods and not done by others. In all reality right now, it's treated more as like a show and tell, like, Hey, let's look at work in progress and not so much of like a, Hey, let's collect all the feedback and go iterate but more of like, hey, are we still making the progress in the direction that we feel like we need to? And so some of those are starting to get introduced to the pods, but that's one of those turn of the dials that we're like, hey, let's start light and let's add in different events as we see that they're necessary. And so some pods are starting to like, as part of their reflection, identify, hey, it'd be really cool if we could start seeing some of the stuff that we do each sprint. And so then it's like, hey, that's great news. There's There is something that we can do that's built into, you know, the Scrum and Agile process, and that's called a demo. And so let's mm-hmm. introduce it. And so that is one I just did, like with one of our pods, I just facilitated just this, this week on Tuesday. And so, and everyone was like, that was great. It was awesome to see stuff that was in progress. It was great to get on the same page. And so it's been a, introducing at the right time is, is something I'm trying to make sure that we take into consideration. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, timing timing can make a difference. And I think the the takeaway for our audience is even if you've tried something, it might not have been the right time. And so go ahead and try that again at some point yeah. in the future. Yeah. And a lot of times the teams will identify. They will be the ones that say, hey, we really are looking for this. And as coaches, we have the opportunity to look into our toolbox and say, hey, well, there is something that actually helps do just what you're talking about. You know, and we can we can introduce that and propose that and then help facilitate some of those to make sure that they get the understanding and the cadence and the purpose and then let them start to self-govern. You know, and so I think that that's an important piece for us as coaches is what tool in our toolbox do we have that can properly address those things that do come up as we listen to our teams. So earlier we were talking about change and one of the things that marketers and everyone really has to deal with is change. So how do you think Agile helps uh, helps you to address that change 
whether it's strategic changes or leadership changes or even market changes? Change is, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Change is, it's interesting. It's definitely uh, not always the easiest topic, you know? And so when we think about, when I think about managing change and how Agile helps to address change, one of the first things that that comes on, comes to my mind is the one of my favorite events from the Scrum Guide is the retrospective, or what I like to call the reflection. To me, is this is a, a key example of how Agile helps support change. You are every sprint sitting down with your team and identifying what's working and what's not, and how you're going to improve it. So you're, you're literally having the conversation about change on a regular cadence. Did that thing that we just did work? Did it not work? Why didn't it work? What are we going to do about it? What's the change we're going to implement? And so Agile provides a very great structure to how we can how we can help influence change and make sure that it's going in a, in a good direction. So in addition to that, I, my mind also goes to the Agile Marketing Manifesto. I mean, it's, we, I know we, when we worked on that, I think that was what last year we kind of revised and went through that second version. We were part of those mm-hmm. breakouts and that was, I mean, it was an awesome experience, but we took that one from the original Agile Manifesto and kind of adapted it, which is responding to change over following a static plan. Like that is what Agile is all about. It's all about having that mindset to know that there isn't always just one way there are multiple ways and how do we then make sure we're deploying the right way to accomplish the right outcome and being willing to adapt and change as we, as we get more data and as we get more things, which I think is an important element of. Yeah. And I, I actually sometimes describe agile as a change management system. I mean, because of all the tools that it has, it really is a way to build that into the, the systems because without it, you've really got top down. And as we know through our, our games of telephone, the message really gets degraded uh, from top down. But if you create these cycles and these feedback loops and mechanisms yep. for, for not only implementing, but validating change, all of a sudden it doesn't feel so uh, imposed and onerous. I think one of the key things is that we talk a lot about, and I know that we've, there's been lots of conversations within the community is data-driven decisions. And, and I think that's a key element of also how Agile helps support change, because if you're just changing for change sake and you don't have the data to support it, you're going to have a lot more resistance to change. Whereas if you can make sure that you're telling the right story and bringing the data points into that conversation, people are going to be much more adept and have the desire to change when they know that that's backed by fact and not backed by an executive's opinion or, uh, you know, whim idea, you know? And so I think that's a, another key crucial element of how it helps support change. Well, I think you've alluded to, to something, which is we, we oftentimes have people on our teams who are struggling with change. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you've been at this agile thing for a while. You've been an agile coach for a number of years. What guidance would you give to either coaches or leaders who has, a team member who's struggling to change. Uh, yeah, it's each of these different phases in my life. People, there's been resistance, or there's been struggle, or like that doesn't really make sense, or they're in their comfort zone and they don't really want to adopt, you know, the new approach, the new mindset, or, or the new process, or whatever the case might be. And I have found that the best thing that I can do is meet them where they are. You know, 
I, I got to understand them because change is an individual sport. It's not a, it does become a group effort, but it starts with one. And I think that's an important piece is that just because, you know, we have that idea of like herd mentality where everybody's on the same, okay, hey, yeah, everything, this person said it, all of us are going to do it. And there is some of that, but at the same time, change impacts every person differently. And so meeting them on their level and understanding what that change did to their day to day or what it did, you know, like that, that's a key element of us listening to, to hear them and then helping identify what our opportunities are to be able to help build that desire in them to make the change. So I think that's one key piece. Yeah, I, I'm hearing empathy written all over that. And I think the other thing that I was thinking about is, is very rarely does somebody uh, wake up and say, I'm going to be obstinate today. I'm, right. I'm going to resist change. Yeah. Uh, so there's something deeper that's motivating that. And when I think of change, I think there a lot of times there's two sides to it. There's the, the process of change itself. And then there's the behavior of change. And I'm a big proponent in the behavior drives process. If we are behaviorally on the right track and we're, we're, our behaviors are in line, then more than likely nine times out of 10 process is gonna follow. But if we're trying to inst institute and we over-index on the process side of change and we don't address the behavior, people can do the right thing all day long and still be 100% against it. This is my job, I have to do it, I hate it. You know, like. Mm -hmm. But if you go the opposite and create the desire and give them the tools to be successful in change and then provide them the process, they're more, the percentage increases, you know, dramatically in regards to their adoption of change and, and seeing the benefit that it provides for them uh, in their day-to-day, in, -day, in their life, whatever the case might be. And I think that's a piece that we often, we skip right to the process because that's really what we want. We, hey, we want to see the efficiency. We want to see the gain. We want to see, you know, doing more with less, you know, all those key things, you know, people talk about within agile, like that's a big, you know, element, but if we can't address the behavior, then we're, in my opinion, missing the, missing the key foundational element of it. That's a great soundbite A behavior drives process. I love it. So we're running at the end of our time box here. You know, I feel like we could have talked uh, for another hour. You've got so much wisdom to share. The last thing I want to cover uh, with you is this notion of change fatigue. And, you know, we've all been part of organizations who reorg and then reorg again or introduce a process and then pivot. Um, can you speak to, first of all, the, the right cadence for introducing change yeah. and the impacts of big changes versus little changes. Kind of back to what we were talking about towards the beginning, we talked about, hey, it, it, it's not about going to zero to 100. 100 may be the goal, but it's about taking those incremental steps, zero to 10, zero to 15, zero to 20, you know, like whatever those right steps are. So I think the cadence is important to helping address change fatigue because it is a real thing. I mean, I know that we all know that and we say that, we verbally give the credit, hey, yes, change fatigue is a real thing but then we turn around in the same instance and introduce new change. You know, and so I think that the, the balance there in regards to cadence is ensuring that it's in the in service of the business. Mm -hmm. If we are changing for change sake and it's not producing a benefit to the business or to the customer, then why change? You know, like that should always be the at the, at the root of it. Like what is the purpose and what are we trying to change and for what reason? 
Yeah, and I think you you had an interesting point. Uh, you and I had talked a couple of weeks ago about a, a cadence for a big room or a PI plan type planning. Yeah, and you had mentioned that you initially started at one cadence and then moved to another cadence. And in my mind, what went off was oh, culturally in your organization there was a cadence that felt better. Uh, can you can you speak to that? as a whole, been looking at the opportunity of planning cadences with insight of marketing. And as we look at that from a global perspective, what is, what is that right cadence? You know, is it quarterly? Is it trimester? Is it once every six months, you know, you're doing halves, like what is the appropriate cadence um, so that we're not over indexing on how often we're planning and then redoing and et cetera. And as I had those conversations with individuals, you know, and team members, quarterly felt a lot. It's quarterly is nice. It fits great within a fiscal year. It's nice to be able to look at things from a quarter perspective, but you finish planning, execute for a month, and then you literally start planning for the next quarter again already. And so you're, it almost feels like you're just constantly planning and not really executing. The reverse is, you know, kind of the, the pendulum swing on that is, you know, halves. Okay, well, I'm going to plan and then I'm going to execute for four months and then I'm going to plan, you know, then plan again. And But then are you, are you looking at and having the appropriate amount of feedback loops to pivot and make the right decisions for the business? Or are you doing more of a static plan and it becomes hard to change? And so one of the ways I introduced and that I've used at another organization is trimester planning. I call it the Goldilocks of planning because it's like, it's like, you know, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's not too soft. It's not too hard. It's kind of right in the middle. And so I'm not, it's not as short as quarterly and it's not as long as halves, but it's right in the middle. You look at things, you have three trimesters in a year, you have three planning cadences. It allows you to execute for a quarter's worth of time and still be able to have those planning cycles. And so the other organization did it with, it was, we actually moved from quarterly to trimester and it was undoubtedly the best decision that that organization made. And so I think that made a huge difference. Well, that's another great tip for our listeners uh, to experiment with how often you're introducing uh, change, how often you're, you're planning in a big room or PI planning context uh, in order to introduce change at the right cadence for your organization. Um, Josh, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today, and um, I would look forward to having you on the show again sometime. Thanks for sharing your stories with us. Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. I I mean, this has been great. I enjoy it. Thanks for listening to our show today, and be sure to check out the show notes and more at the Marketing Agility blog.